The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. It's a fandom thing and our continuing Christian effing Bale month celebration. And we are going to be discussing the movie that won him an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And that's The Fighter. I want to apologize to Christian Bale because I had said before we started this that this was probably not in my top five performances of his. And that I liked the movie okay, but we were mainly just covering it because he won. I want to take that back. I only watched this movie once and I watched it again, of course, for this. And he is so damn good in this movie that this definitely will be in my top five favorite because he's just so good. He he does. There's just the end scene when he's sitting on the couch is he does. And it's just like 33 seconds. And that's all improv, by the way. And he's incredible. It's just amazing. And everything he does in this is amazing. And I guess people that knew the real Dickie Eklund would be on the set and be like, this is him to a T. So, and I think it's not just an impersonation. He gets everything down. So I just want to apologize, Christian. (laughs) If you happen to be listening, apologize (laughs) he's definitely listening let's just assume yes if christian if you have been sending around the link to the podcast to all of your friends particularly in los angeles we want you to know yes we appreciate it yes thank you thank you very much okay so before we get into discussing the fighter which also i'll say really quickly we did a poll And I asked what Academy Award nominated performance of Christians was your favorite. This one, um, American Hustle, The Big Short or Vice. And this one won, uh, decidedly won. (laughs) I was kind of sad. Vice received zilch votes. (laughs) So second was American Hustle, which I got a memory today about how excited I was that Christian Bale got nominated (laughs) for that performance. And then the big short came in third. And we're going to talk about both of those because this is going to be a continuing thing we're going to do every January to celebrate Christian Bale. So we are going to be talking about both, well, all three of them. We're going to talk about American Hustle. We're going to talk about the big short. And we're going to talk about Vice. The big short and Vice will round out next January. So Carla is going to have to be on an episode talking about Finn Whitrock. I'm sorry. It's just going (laughs) to happen. You'll mention him and, and I'll be like, right, that other guy. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so 
before we get started, <laughs> just a quick note that we are on Patreon. We have gained two new Patreon supporters. We just recorded a new Patreon-only episode discussing rent, and Aaron was on that one as well, Aaron A., and that was so much fun to record and made me a little emotional. So as a theater geek and as a lover of musicals and a lot of other things, it was so much fun. So if you want to listen to that episode, you have to become a Patreon supporter. So go to the link in our show notes or click on Linktree in any one of our social media and go there. And I want to give a special shout out. I did on that episode to Brianna. I hope I'm pronouncing that right who is a new listener who uh, reached out to me a, a little bit over a week ago, I think it was a week ago, and sent me a really beautiful little message and then became a Patreon supporter right away. So thank you so much. Uh, I really, really appreciate that. And that meant a lot to me. Okay, so let's go around and everyone can tell me what they're into right now. Carla. I am into jumping back into the big leap. Um, I love the show. I know, I know. I was trying to be as cheesy as possible. Mission accomplished. It's it's a great show. It has comedy, it has drama. It's it's a it's an ensemble cast, and all of the characters are just so good. All the characters that they really focus on, because you know, only so much you can do with an ensemble. It's it's great. It's only eleven episodes. They're like half an hour each, and I've just been like rewatching them, and it's just like a feel good show. Just warm and fuzzies, but also you end up getting really invested because they're just, they're lovely people. Erin, what are you into this week? I am into this week. I've been watching at the suggestion of about 7,000 people, Ghosts. <laughs> Carla's told me about 16 times <laughs> every episode. Um, Would you say that I haunted you into watching it. <laughs> and you're full of the oh, jokes man. tonight. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Um, yeah, so ghosts, I it's that's all we've been watching for a week straight. I, I think last week we caught or last night um we caught up on the last episode. It was like a Christmas episode, so I think that's the last one. So yeah, now I'm just sad because it's like we're caught up. So also, just a shout out um, of what I did last night, which was kind of exciting, is we went and saw a show, a live show. Um, it's called The Choir of Man, and it was really cute, and it was really sweet. And it's on tour now. I think it's from England, I think. I'm not totally sure. But it's set in, like, a British pub, and it's just, like, these nine guys. And apparently it used to be more interactive with the with the crowd, but... They kind of, it was really sweet. They like acknowledged the time that we're in and stuff, but it was mostly just cute little stories and them singing songs, pop songs kind of. And it was really fun. It was mm. good to get out. We yeah. had, it was um, my birthday present for my husband. So we got dressed up and we went to a fancy restaurant and then we saw a show. So it was nice. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah. I haven't been to a show in. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I was supposed yeah. to go see Book of Mormon. Um, it was a birthday present for my sister, and it was supposed to be the summer of 2020. Was supposed to, oh. when I was supposed to go. So yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. That's so sad. Yeah. Well, this is Aaron, and what I'm into is I'm going to name a couple of things. I'm going to break this rule a little bit. I'm going to first. I'm going to say I am really, really still into the Dexter finale. It was amazing. Um, I don't care what the haters say. I thought it was perfect. 
And uh, I do want to say, though, please stop harassing the actors and people and saying that it's their fault that you didn't like this and telling them they should have, like, backed. I, I saw literal tweets that said, well, you shouldn't have signed on to do this if you knew this was going to happen. Think of the fans. You know what? <laughs> That's That is a hilarious take. What is wrong with people? Sincerely. What a toxic fandom that is. I mean, and I was never really involved in it before, even though I love this show so much. But, you know, I mean, I understand people, not everyone liked it. Two of two panelists that I know from this show don't didn't like it. But I mean, I don't know. I, doing that is icky. But I love the finale. I loved it. I thought it made up for and I know Aaron A liked it too because I know you voted. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. <laughs> see, see. And Carla of course loved it and Jen loved it. So yeah. So that's all that haters. matters. The four of us liked it. Yes. Who cares what anybody thinks? Exactly. That's my thought on it. Uh another thing I'm into and I bring this up because I watched it again last night. This wonderful little small independent horror movie called The Invitation is available on Shudder. I haven't mentioned Shudder in forever, but really go watch that. It's so, so good. It's a slow build, very psychological, creepy as hell. So I highly, highly recommend that one. So let's get into the fighter. So Carla, I know this was a first time watch for you. So what were your initial impressions then of the film? (laughs) Okay, plot twist. It turns out that I have watched it before because as I'm watching it, I was like, this looks familiar. Like, why do I feel like I remember this movie? Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's like, okay, so I I think I I must have watched it. I think it's one of those movies that was like on an airplane. Because I remember that it wasn't like I could just sit and chill and watch it. Like stuff was going on. The thing, I forgot that Mark Wahlberg was in it. (laughs) I forgot that Amy Adams was in it. I just remember the thing that, that triggered my memory was Christian Bale. And me thinking back then even that he was so good in it. And this time around when I when I watched it, yeah, I was completely mesmerized. I just kept waiting for more scenes with him in it because he's just so good. And especially when you've been binging Christian Mail. Christian Mail. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Mail is the is the um Christian Mingle predecessor that was back before the internet, where you had to like actually mail the letters to each other instead of write things christian mail christian mail yes <laughs> i'm sorry i don't mean i mean to infringe on any copyrights there christian mail but yeah so christian bale as you you know you're you're binging christian bale movies all month and he his versatility like as if i didn't already know it really jumps out so starkly when you're doing all of this and this performance was especially captivating mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I, I didn't mean what I said before. I said this to Mark Wahlberg, although honestly, I could take him or leave him. Period. And I love Amy Adams. But in this one, it's just like, he was just so amazing in it. Yeah, like, honestly, I don't know that if anybody else was in that role, it would have been as captivating. He just, he gives it his all. And he really brings a, a character that could come across as very, very annoying. And that you kind of just want to punch in the face a lot, but gives him such a human dimension that you just want, you're pulling for him. You're hoping that he um, 
that he betters himself and that he becomes the person that he wants to be, that he knows that he can be, that his kid wants him to be. Yeah, like, I just, I was like, wow, I can't believe that I forgot this movie. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> funny i love that though so aaron what were your initial impressions had you seen it before or had you remembered you'd seen it before (laughs) i okay i knew i had seen it but i couldn't specifically remember seeing it but i think i must have seen it like when it came out in the movie theater i mostly remember as a mark Wahlberg movie (laughs) i love mark Wahlberg. oh Uh -oh. (laughs) yeah i think i it's a great movie um i've watched it twice in this past week it's a really like fascinating story really heartbreaking story i think these actors are all just amazing i can see why it you know won awards i do want to say that mark Wahlberg and amy adams are just like way too attractive for this movie i feel like (laughs) they just like (laughs) <laughs> That's not what Boston people look We're like. Christian Bale, <laughs> unofficial <laughs> Christian Bale is amazing. I. This is why we love him, though, right? I mean, like, yeah, he takes ugly. this guy. No, I'm just kidding, you're not ugly at all. No, <laughs> sorry, I can't. No, I think Christian is amazing. That, like, without him in this role, I don't think the rest of the movie would have worked, like, at all. I just again this is why we love him but he takes just this character that like you don't want to like like nobody likes him he seems like a terrible person to be around I feel bad you know for his family but like you still the little tiny things that he does like the he kind of his little laugh and his smile and stuff makes you want to like him um, even though you know he's kind of a horrible person <laughs> and he's just bringing his brother down but yeah I think it's great I think the sisters is one of the funniest parts of this movie it's the whole like gaggle of blondes in the corner all the yeah. time <laughs> it's just their comic relief I feel like and I think we'll talk about them later, but yeah, they're just fantastic. Yeah, I like the movie. I think it was good. I kind of feel bad that I don't remember seeing it before, really. Other than like, <laughs> oh, look, Mark Wahlberg doesn't have a shirt on most of the movie. I'm okay <laughs> with this. <laughs> I think that's so hilarious that, that it, and I, I saw this in the theater. I remember I was in film school when this came out, I believe. And I think I saw it like at a special like advanced screening thing. Actually, I had a memory not too long ago pop up that said, and I hadn't seen, um, it, I must not have seen a Christian Bale movie in a while, but it popped up and said, and my memory was, thank you, Christian Bale, for reminding me why you are one of my favorite actors. So I've been a Bale fan forever, but I saw it because I love, David O. Russell is incredibly problematic, and we're going to talk about that because he's a very problematic person. And I do want to admonish some of the actors that keep working with him, honestly, because, yeah, I mean, Christian Bale himself on, um, sorry, I'm jumping ahead here, but on American Hustle had to put David O. Russell in his place because he would not stop um, harassing Amy Adams as far as like yelling and making her cry and stuff. And he like stepped in and was like, stop it, just stop doing that. 
But anyway, but I like David O. Russell movies. So it's this weird conflicting thing in me because his movies are so my kind of movies, like character studies. And they've also got humor in them while they're dramatic. And so I wanted to see it partly because of that and also because of Christian Bale. Um, and so I loved it. And I also was like, this is a different kind of movie for David O. Russell to do because it's a boxing movie. So I was a little bit like, oh, I don't know if it'll be. But I think this movie is really not a boxing movie, honestly. I mean, boxing is a part of it, but it's such a little tiny part of it. It's really just a family drama. And so, yeah. So and Christian Bale, just mind blowing because it just it blows my mind that he's never really he never had like formal training. He I think he's just born with this gift. And I mean, we're going to talk about Empire of the Sun next year, which I guess we should have talked about it for the first one. But and it's just amazing to me that he continues constantly to deliver performances where you just don't recognize him. I mean, you know, I was watching because we're going to talk about Equilibrium next week and I was watching Equilibrium on Friday. And I said in our private DM, I said, I forgot how good looking Christian Bale is in this movie because I've been watching so many movies where he's lost so much weight, like The Fighter, he lost weight too. Well, and he's so young in that movie too. Yeah, but he's also just, oh my God, he's, it's very much like a Patrick Bateman look to it and watching that and how different that is from this. I mean, if you were to put those two performances and those two characters into like, like side by side there's like nothing similar about them or the performance except for that it's the same actor you would never be able to tell it was the same actor same with even this and the machinist same with this and especially batman and same with this basically anything he has done and that's what's so incredible about him and you know it's funny because even though he's the biggest thing that sticks out it doesn't mean he's a selfish actor because he's very much not a selfish actor because i think he actually brings people up elevates them I think he elevates Mark Wahlberg uh, big time, <laughs> big, big time. And I'll give a little bit of a trivia really quickly here. The reason this was a Mark Wahlberg production, Mark Wahlberg owned, owned the rights to this. And originally this was supposed to be done by Darren Aronofsky was originally attached to do this and then didn't, but he's still a producer on it. And Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg's kids go to the same school. And so that's kind of how that happened. And so that, so it's just interesting to me because I think if Bale wasn't in this, it would be really not memorable. I don't think you'd ever remember this movie. And I think it would have come and gone. Yes, Melissa Leo is good too. But Bale is really like, even though he's playing a character, like everyone has said, that is like really hard to love. He makes you love that character. So in a way, I honestly think he's the heart of this movie, even though the character is so hard at times to love. He brings so much to it, like especially that last scene on the couch. I always go back to that because it's just so beautiful, especially the fact that it was improvised. All the couch scenes, there's a couch scene in the beginning, too, that was improvised as well um, by both actors. So by both Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg. But um, I just we love Christian Bale. so. And he lost weight on this one, not as much as the machinist, but he, you know, he's, he's, he's playing a crack addict. So, um, you know, it makes sense. 
that he lost weight for this one. And I, th I think, I'm not sure I didn't read how he lost the weight, but I know he also trained and um, he worked a lot with Dickie Eklund on this. And I want to say about the sisters really quickly. The sisters hate the portray their portrayal in this. Hate, 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 hate it. And Dickie Eklund actually <laughs> yelled and screamed to Christian Bale because he hated this so much. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not flattering for, for any of them, really. No, but what's interesting, if you watch the awards circuit thing when that happened, like Christian Bale, like just a just like gave lots of like was like go go train with Dickie Eklund and was praising him. And Dickie Eklund was there the whole time when Christian Bale won his SAG award. Dickie Eklund like ran up on stage, like true to his character in here, ran up on stage, like kind of taking the spot right away. Well, yeah. How would he give up a chance to be the center of attention? Yeah, exactly. So it was mainly the sisters just did not like their portrayal at all. But Melissa Leo, when she would, when they would be in town, when they were shooting in the town, people kept mistaking her for the real Alice. Like they kept going up to her and saying, <laughs> Alice. Her her outfits are the best right like the like plaid bodysuits with the mini skirts yeah man it's great well before we get into the characters does anyone want to add anything else to i mean we've already raved about christian bale's performance but anything else about his performance or his weight loss or anything like that well carla oh oh chris yes, i have hi. something to say about all of this hello hi, again edin hello edin also I'll let you sort out which one I was greeting first. <laughs> now, Eden, as you can see, I have made a helpful graphic <laughs> of my body. Again, again, yes. It's the same graphic. Yes, very accurate. Very no, accurate. it is not. Do you not see that on one side is my body from the machinist? Oh, I see now. And on the other side is my body from the fighter. <laughs> I am very precise. I do not do this lightly. <laughs> How dare you, Mim? How dare you? <laughs> Okay, yeah, and I've, I've gotten, I, I, I print screen that, so I'll make sure everybody sees that big difference. Yes, there. as you can see, there's another layer of weight in my body A that I work very hard on. It's science. <laughs> yes. It's scientific evidence right here. It is scientific evidence. I went through a lot of trouble to make that graphic for you. I would expect a little bit more gravity. It is a Weighty subject. Oh, ha, 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 ha. That was so good, Christian. Thank you. Thank you. I've been working on my comedy chops with Carla. She's telling me all of the tricks to become the funniest person I can be. Well, you're really funny. When I watch clips of you, you're hilarious. Your acceptance well, speech for you. Vice was the best acceptance speech I've ever seen. Oh, that was just me speaking from the heart. Thank you. <laughs> Giving the devil his due, as it were. Giving the oh, devil. <laughs> You're so clever. You're so clever, Christian. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, th well thank you so much again for coming on again and, and for always. giving your all. You're you're amazing. And thank you, Eden. Um, <laughs> yes, as always, it is my pleasure. It is an honor. And I shall see you again, I'm sure. You, yes, next week. Next week, right? I suppose. Yes, and See, I'm not going to say the B again. I was doing an actor thing. Oh, the dramatic pause. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry, Christian. Please, please. <laughs> Honestly, Ellen, 
one day we shall get this correct. I look forward to that day, and I shall see you again. Bye-bye. You know what was funny? Um, you, you did a little Irish thing there for a second. There was just <laughs> a quick Irish thing I heard Hey, there. listen, I don't know what he's working on these days. He does not like he tells me anything. <laughs> Even though he's living with you and eating all your marshmallows. Yes. We, we, I've talked to him about that. He's he's pared down quite a bit. He's pared down quite a bit on his marshmallow intake. Yes, his, his marshmallow consumption has dropped. His uh, accent has fluctuated. I don't know what he's up to. It can't be good. I'm very scared. <laughs> it can't be good. <laughs> do, do either of you have anything else you want to add about his performance? He's he's incredible. He's amazing. He really captured just from the the interviews that I've seen of Dickie. He really mm -hmm. captures like everything. And I read an interview where he said that he had to tone down all of the Dickieism because it's just too large for the screen. Like he had to actually like bring it down a notch. That kind of doesn't surprise me. I don't know why, but Same. it doesn't. You know, seeing clips of the real Dickie doesn't surprise me at all. So. This doesn't seem like a movie that I would like, like no interest in boxing, but he makes it a good movie. So, yeah, I think put him in anything and he's going to make it something we want to watch. We love you, Christian. Come on the show, <laughs> please. Please. <laughs> You're a dream interview. It's you. <laughs> I'm also a little intimidated, but it's my dream interview. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get into a little bit of uh, the characters here. And let's talk about Dickie and Mickey <laughs> individually and together. So let's start individually. And since it's Christian Bale month, even though he's supporting actor, we're going to start with Dickie. So we've already talked about how he can be hard to watch. But what are your thoughts on Dickie overall, Carla? The reason he's so fascinating, the reason that he can pull the attention away from people who you know you would think would be so much bigger than him is that he's um he has a, just a natural charisma he doesn't really need to work at it he's he just shows up talks to people as if they're already his best friend mm -hmm. um jokes with them as if he's known them forever and kind of brings you into the fold in a way that, that you don't feel like it's a put upon thing. It, it, it's, it just always feels so natural coming from him. It's also kind of why one doesn't necessarily mind it so much that he is so much because even as he is taking the spotlight, he's still kind of like, you know, hugging you around the neck and being like, come on, let's go. And, you know, let's, let's go be besties and whatever. So it just, it always feels so personal and it always feels so annoying, but it's like, it, it's just like, like having somebody around who, you know, that that's just who he is, that they're not trying to make you feel like less. He's just naturally like that. So it's hard to, to be like, oh, this guy, all he wants is uh, to take attention from me. It's like, no, he just wants to show up and ham. That's, that's his whole deal. And it really is so sad that that somebody with this much to him goes from like this big high to this big low. It's it's heartbreaking, especially because he has a kid. You know, like it's not like only parents deserve to have a good life. Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, thanks, but... Carla. <laughs> 
all of you childless people out there. <laughs> no, but but it's it's like because he, you can tell that he loves his kid, he loves his son, but he has like he's so pinned down by his addiction that he can't even do things with with that presence of mind. Like the first thing in his mind is is getting the next hit and um going back to the den and just you know getting high again and so it's just like like he was um saying in the film that it's like this cycle of you don't want to do this but you're doing it because it makes you feel better and then you feel bad about doing it but then you make yourself feel better by taking more and then you have to have more because your tolerance changes and then it's like just a growing circle and it's awful so it's all the more impressive when he does quit and he goes back to his family and he's trying to do the right thing and his family no longer believes in him and it's because it does come a point where people just lose faith in you not because they they don't want to believe you but because like they've been down this path with you so many times that it's hard to get back on board and and act like nothing has happened i just i I really it's Addiction in the society is so stigmatized. It's not treated the way that it should be treated. Addicts are not treated like the way that they should be treated, which is somebody who has something to deal with and who needs help dealing with it and coping. And um, if they want to stop being addicted, they don't have like the correct support. And that's also a failing on our mental health and just overall health system in this country. And also the the way the media portrays addiction and addicts as if they're just lost causes, like, you know, give it up. They're going to end up in a gutter somewhere. So just, you know, cut your losses and run. So it's a systemic failing and it's um, a societal failing. I, I think this is why people deserve to be celebrated when they can um, break the cycle and move on because they're doing it in a, in a, in a world where it's set up against them. So yeah, like, it was really great to see him come back from it and really focus on what he wanted to do, which was train his brother, get him to a victory, like be an actual present person. And all throughout it, like he doesn't really stop being who he is. He He's one of those people who just is always like that, no matter what, for better or for worse. He's He's always effusive and annoying and funny and whatever so and then also like the the sibling dynamic with him his sisters and with mickey because he's I, i don't know whether he's the oldest but he certainly acts like the oldest and i think that that's something that also is a i think um a thing with parents that um that when they have that many kids and there's like such an age disparity among them, the oldest like becomes like the protector or whatever, like they they put so much on the kids. So I feel like the reason that he's so protective of his siblings is because he's the oldest and he has just a lot uh, of responsibility put on his shoulders and he accepts it. He, He just, he's like, yeah, that's fine. Like naturally, what else would I be doing? You know, like mom needs help with, with this. So yes, naturally the the siblings look up to him and they look to him you know like what's dicky gonna do what's dicky gonna say about it what does dicky want to do about all of this even before 
it's about Mickey. It's Mickey's life, but what does Dickie want to do about it first? And so then Mickey is almost like the stereotypical little brother where he's like, you know, like quietly, like, hi, I'm Mickey. Like every now and then he'll get a word in and be like, hi, I can say stuff too. I just mm-hmm. choose not to because look at my brother. <laughs> and having like that many other siblings too. And the fact that they're both boxers is it's kind of funny because it, it just it takes a, a certain kind of mindset, I think, to be in that profession. And Mickey almost doesn't seem like the kind to be a fighter. He doesn't seem like the kind mm-hmm. of person who would be a boxer. And yet he's out there doing the thing and giving it his all. And I think that um, it's also a huge part of why he needs Dickie so badly because he's kind of the one who got him into it by being himself, you know, like he, I think um, Mickey just really looks up to him and really um, it's not that like he can't do without his approval, but he certainly places a lot of, of value on it. And it's sweet and it's sad because he gives up, he gives up a lot to do things his family's way for a long time. And it comes back to bite him in the butt huge over and over again. And it's it's kind of, you know, like the the thing with, with Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale in the movie is that you're seeing two very different skill sets where Christian Bale completely becomes Dickie and that's all you really see. And with Mark Wahlberg, it's, it's like he's, uh, I think in part because it is Mickey and that's kind of like the little brother thing, but it's also like he's kind of, letting Christian Bale lead, which is fine. I mean, it works out perfectly for their, for their dynamic, but there, there's certainly a certain depth missing in the performance. I, just Christian Bale, I think, just like outclasses so many people that, that it's, it's, it's hard to put them on the same level. And watching the way that Christian Bale as Dickie interacts with all of the actors versus the way that Mark Wahlberg interacts with the other actors as as mickey it's it's so it, it's it's a big difference to me anyway watching it and again it works perfectly because the roles kind of fold into that so well yeah well aaron i know that you're you are going to be the mark Wahlberg defender but start first with your thoughts on dickie and then you can get into mickey and then, both of them, then you can defend mark Wahlberg's performance if you <laughs> i'm so mean to my mark I'm so mad about the about the underwear. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the performance in fear. That's a- oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Sorry. No. Oh, Mark. And the funky bunch. <laughs> I okay, Dickie, we're talking about Dickie. I yeah, Carla said it perfectly, I guess. Um he's just such like a larger than life personality. And like we talked about earlier, like you don't want to like this person um but you can feel for him you can empathize for him of you know i would have really loved to see what led to this point in his life it didn't really talk about that in the movie i could probably research it because google exists but (laughs) i have not done that yet i did find um the documentary is online and you can watch it i watched Mm -hmm. it's kind of skimmed through it um and yeah, the 
it's uncanny the way Christian Bale can just become dicky. It, it was freaky. He's obviously had like a rough life and there's probably a ton of pressure from his family. Um, it kind of seems like the two brothers are supporting this whole family because what is anybody yeah. else ever doing? Very <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. What are these seven girls ever doing? Because they're just sitting around the living room making smart ass remarks. Uh, and his mom, I'm like, th- yeah, she is like a stage mom, right? Like, mm-hmm. she, man. But so I get yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him. This probably started out as seemed like a good idea and things escalated. But he obviously loves his brother a lot, just can't get it together really to help him in the way that he needs but you can tell he loves his brother whenever he's he's like well we need what did he say we need two thousand dollars and he's like i got it i'll do this and then he goes and tries to pyramid scheme his girlfriend's family (laughs) oh oh my gosh and his friend's saying this is just what what we do in america (laughs) that actually was pretty perfect (laughs) oh man like give him points for effort for sure they're like, no, nah, man, like you're crazy. I'm not giving you a crackhead to $200. But like, man, he tried. And then the whole scheme of then they were going to pretend like they were cops and from people. God. I mean, he really, really wants to do good things and he wants to help his brother and his family. He just like can't get it together. Um, and I think that's one of my favorite parts in the movie is whenever he goes over to Charlene's house and they come to this agreement like, we both love Mickey more than anything. We got to figure out how to work together because he doesn't deserve what he's getting from us. So I think, he, yeah, it's an amazing character. And again, without Christian Bale, I can't imagine anybody else doing it as well as he did. And I love that his go-to move to run away from people is to jump out a second story window into a pile of garbage. Like <laughs> that's really, that's your plan. And now you can defend Mickey. You can defend Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I think the uh, wardrobe budget for shirts from Mark Wahlberg was way overblown, and they spent way too much money on shirts. <laughs> Definitely could have used less shirts, right? That's how you know that they were like working on their tight one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> For some reason, you're just walking down the street, but you cannot have a shirt on, Mark. <laughs> no. Get out, man. It's, don't worry about it. This is just how, how it is in this particular neighborhood of the city that it's you grew up in. It's kind of cold. It's wintertime yeah. in Boston. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I do have a really soft spot for Mark Wahlberg, though. Um, I, Mickey, this poor guy, like, he's a good guy, and he wants to make his family happy, and he wants to make his brother happy, and his his mom i don't know why he still like does anything for his mom but that just proves of what a great guy he is and he's kind of like got the short straw in this family of he's been kind of pigeonholed into boxing and he wants to make everybody happy and he's the one now left supporting the family because like dickie can't get his stuff together and i think i really love his relationship with charlene i think that she you know showed him how to be the person that he was underneath but he was just being held down by his family i yeah i think the two of them together in their scenes together are really 
really great. It's you can tell it's a really brotherly love that they have for each other because there's uh, most people wouldn't put up with the crap that Dickie's doing <laughs> if they didn't really love each other. Yeah, just the it's just kind of really a tragic story about how this this guy in any other situation in any other family he probably could have had a much better career and a better life and it just took longer than it should have for him to get there but he did and it's it's really a touching story that he did finally get to achieve his dreams if they were his dreams or his family's dreams i don't know but it's kind of hard to tell at that point but i think it's great Dicky, you can get you can get who the whole character of Dicky is through the whole opening credit sequence when he's rocking with the HBO documentary crew and walking through and saying hi to everybody. And that's who Dicky is, is Dicky's this larger than life person. And I think he uses a lot of that to cover up for his own hurt and pain and his own feeling of failure, I think, and the fact that his biggest fight against Sugar Ray when he won and everybody says that Sugar Ray Leonard slipped. I I don't follow boxing so I don't really know if that if what the truth is. But the fact that that's the thing that he that's his crowning glory, Dickies, is defeating Sugar Ray Leonard and then the fact that so many people question that and there's a scene in here where he sees Sugar Ray and goes up to say hi and it's such a sad heartbreaking scene because you're watching somebody who's a legend and who still appears to have their stuff together and appears to be okay. And here's Dickie, who's, you know, a drug addict who doesn't have his stuff together, who hasn't fought, who doesn't have a lot of money and all this stuff. And he's like shrinks in that scene, even though he's still trying to be his normal Dickie self, you can tell how hurt he is that Sugar Ray isn't like, embracing him and not wanting to talk to him and not wanting to be around him and not wanting to say, I love you. And I'm so glad to see you too. He's more like, uh, who, he's almost like, who are you? <laughs> I don't even know who you are. Go away. And then of course, Dickie, you know, embellishes that story and makes it sound like it didn't go that way. And that is also a way to just kind of talk about who the character is, is he is walking around with this documentary crew and doesn't even acknowledge or doesn't even let it compute, even though they are very, the documentary crew is open about it, that this is a documentary about crack addiction and it's not a documentary about his comeback. And he insists forever, even up until when he's in prison and they're watching it, that this is a documentary about his great big comeback and it's not. And that is even more heartbreaking when you realize that in the movie, when the crew gets asked by somebody, so what is this about again? They're like, crack in America. And you're like, oh, so this isn't about this big comeback. And so it's once again, he's like living in this dream world of what he wants to be, of what he thinks he should be. And he's trying to be bigger and louder and everything like that to cover up for his own insecurity, I think. Uh, you see that also with just even him jumping out a window into a trash can. And, you know, there's scenes with his mother. The, the second when you see him jump out of the trash can and then she's there. And when she leaves and she's heartbroken and then he goes there and he starts singing the song with to her is so heartbreaking because you see that, you know, this mother who enables him a lot, <laughs> how easily he can um, get people back on his good side and use his charm 
and the fact that I think he really truly cares for his family a lot and he can use that to kind of get away with a lot. And it's amazing that, you know, he overshadows everybody and overpowers everybody when in a lot of respects you'd be like, I don't want to be around this person. This person's, oh, yucky. But I think a lot of that goes to the fact that I think sometimes with addicts, they can be very charming, very seductive. They can always be putting on sort of a show. And I think that's a lot of what Dickie is doing throughout. And he's living very much in his brother's shadow in a weird way, even though his brother seems to be living in his. Uh, because his brother is more together than him. His brother is more, quote unquote, normal than him. Um, his brother is more attractive than him. His brother is all this kind of stuff uh, more than him. And with as far as with, with him being a father, one of the most heartbreaking, and I wrote it down to me, scenes in this movie is in the courtroom when Dickie is sentenced and the son is there. And I remember watching it again. I was like, why did you bring that child to the courtroom? That was, oh my gosh, I was so mad when I saw that the child was there. I'm like, that child does not need to see this. No, 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 no. That child is too young. And that was so heartbreaking to me because that child idolizes his dad. And you can see it in the, also in the scene later on when um, Dickie gets out of prison and they're in the locker room and Dickie gets all upset because, you know, Mickey and his manager are like, we're not going to have anything to do with Dickie anymore. And then the, the, his little boy repeats that and starts punching the locker and you see that he's kind of taking after his dad with that, with his same behavior and anger. So I thought that was interesting too. And then I really want to highlight, and this goes to Christian Bale's performance again, but the scene when, and it's right that same time, and they had planned this big, you know, welcome home, Dickie. And he's got that cake and he takes the cake and starts walking and he you know, gets the frosting all over his arm and he's walking and he goes back and you're worried he's going to do uh, drugs again and it was I think he was definitely tempted goes there and then you see it just this little flick in his eye where he's like nope and he's not holding any ill will towards these people that were his friends and that he loved and he just hands over that cake and leaves I just think that's such a beautiful scene and then I agree the scene with Charlene is one of my favorites too and also probably because I think Amy Adams is such a good actress too. And this is a very different role for her to play as well. And I, I think they work really well together. Uh, when we talk about American Hustle, they're totally different dynamic between them and that. And also, of course, they were in Vice together too. So they've worked a lot together. And so I think they have really good chemistry uh, and they work really well and they bounce off of each other. And she's already a good actress. She's from Colorado, by the way. And... <laughs> Always like to say that. <laughs> uh, and so I think they are kind of matched. I think he's definitely the best performance in the whole film, but they are, I think, the biggest match that and Melissa Leo too. And Mickey, you know, I, I want to say one thing for, for Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg actually has a really, really difficult task in this movie. I want to say anyone who was going to play this role had a very difficult task because Mickey is not a showy role. Mickey is not an actor showcase role like Alice or Dickie. Those are actor showcase roles where they can go big or whatever. And so little roles like actually when we recorded our Rent episode, we talked about that with the character of Mark and how that character can get kind of lost in the shuffle because it's the more 
quote unquote normal grounded character who does it's not all showy. And that's the same with Mickey. So I will say, even though I am not a huge, I think Mark Wahlberg's very problematic, and I I'm not a huge fan of his. I do think he's outstanding in Boogie Nights, though. I will say that as Dirk Diggler, famous last scene, you know, with his fake prosthetic penis. But <laughs> oh, that's so that. weird. That's so weird. <laughs> that is a strange movie. Love that movie so much. <laughs> that's my second favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. So, but I think any actor would be hard for them to take this role on because you're going to be outshined by everybody, no matter how good of an actor you are, I think, or people aren't going to pay attention as much to what you, I mean, he was nominated for this though. I mean, so, um, but people aren't going to pay attention as much because uh, it's such a simple role on paper, but it's actually a very difficult role because you are having to work with all these powerhouses and bounce off all this powerhouse energy. And I mean, he tries, he's, he's, I think the improv scenes are good. The couch scenes. I do like his reaction at the very end after when Dickie leaves the couch and the little look on his face. I do think that was pretty good, but it's, this is, I think this is really Christian Bale's movie. So it's hard. you know, for, I think anyone to really outshine that. I think the only one that, you know, seemed to be trying to, which was Melissa Leo, who was like, you know, she got a lot of crap, which I want to say, I think was really kind of crappy uh, because she campaigned herself for this, um, for the Oscar. She like campaigned hard and people gave her such crap for that. And I think that's really crap shitty. And I think it's because she's a woman and an older woman. And I think that's why they did that. So that's all. I just wanted to make sure to say that because I've been holding that in for years because it just pissed me off. Yeah, I think you're you're dead right on that. I mean, it, there are so many times when, um, when certain actors don't get the same amount of 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 a push for an award mm-hmm. that I I think lesser performances do, and it has more to do with whether they're white, whether they're male, whether they're straight. Like there are a lot of, of factors that play into whether somebody finds it to be, you know, it, it's the same thing with like being a bankable start, being, mm-hmm. are, is, is this like a, an award worthy performer? And what are we basing it on? Not the performance, but on what they look like and who they represent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, come on, who doesn't want to win an Academy Award? Give me a play break why is it so bad that she wanted to win an academy award that is not a bad thing and she did she went on to win it it's not a bad thing that she wanted to win an award and people wanted to shame her for the fact that she was so vocal about the fact that she wanted to win this award just because these other actors say they don't want to that's bullshit i'm sorry (laughs) she's just standing up for herself there's nothing wrong with that exactly It, it so pissed me off when that happened during that whole time because it's like uh, let her just let her breathe. This is her big moment. And sadly, in Hollywood, once an actress is over 30, they're considered like ancient. A man in his 70s and 80s can be playing a character married to a 30 year old. So g- give me a break. It's it just uh anyway, I had to make sure to get that in. Because <laughs> it always pissed me off during that. I just remember that so much. People were just uh like, yep, sexism. And ageism, really, is the biggest part of that. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So let's talk about Charlene, played by Amy Adams, who the real Charlene hated the way Amy Adams was dressed in this movie. (laughs) She's like, I never wore stuff like that. Jesus, nobody's happy with their portrayals. Except maybe Dickie. I know. I feel Nikki's like just happy to be in the really, room. really mad about how they're portrayed, then maybe it's kind of accurate, right? Right. <laughs> like, if it's not flattering, then you're going to be pissed no matter what, even if it's the truth. Right. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, in, in, in this particular case, I feel like, yeah, I think maybe they hit yeah. the nail too hard on the head. Right. Yeah. 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 I know. Sorry, you keep bursting everybody's mouth. <laughs> like, nobody was happy. <laughs> I feel like Amy Adams is gorgeous to be like, yeah, I dress like that. I looked just like that. I know. I'd be like, oh, yeah, my ass was that hot. Right? (laughs) I looked like that that when I was wearing my bra and panties. Be proud. I mean, oh, my gosh. So, Carla, your thoughts on Charlene? And and you can talk about Amy Adams' performance, too. Okay. Well, Charlene, I feel like... Like Mickey went from one oppressive environment to another. Although with Charlene, she was actually looking out for his best interest. Like it was, it wasn't just because she was writing his coattails. It wasn't just because she didn't know anything else in life other than than to be, you know, pushing him towards a goal that she wanted for him. He said, this is what I want to do. And she's like, all right, let's go for it. But she went for it hard, which is not a bad thing because she did get him to start thinking um, like a boxer instead of like the kid brother of a boxer. Mm-hmm. That's what I think really makes a difference in his mindset when he when he starts coming back and actually winning consistently. But at the same time, the, the way she goes about it is often, at least in the movie, it, it's portrayed as as it being done in like such an overbearing way where she's making the decisions and she's calling the shots on his life. And the moment she doesn't like it, she walks out. So it's, that's why to me, it's so similar to the way um, his family, particularly his mother ran things. So, you know, like that thing of like, you know, you end up marrying your parents. Like he kind of did. Yeah. And it's, it's just, funny that he doesn't seem to really realize it or see it like i said you know again she's trying to further his goals it's just the way that she goes about it is sometimes it just makes me be like ah oh, charlene you know like you hate alice so much but have you like looked in the mirror lately <laughs> have you like sat down and analyzed her versus you and where there might be some overlap yeah, so, uh, but Amy Adams, is she's so great. I love her. I really think she's she's amazing. Um, you know, you, you look at this movie and then you look at the one with the, the fairy tale movie with Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. I can't remember the title movie. of it. Oh, my forgetting. Yes. Oh. Yes. Enchanted? That's not Ellen. No. No. It might be. I don't know. Oh, man, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. Yeah, please. 
Oh yeah, Enchanted. Yeah, Enchanted. I okay, right. I was right. <laughs> good job, good job. I love that dress. <laughs> <laughs> but the the difference in these two characters, as it is with so many of her other roles, she really like becomes that person and you get lost in it, it's 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 the, the the kind of acting that really transports you because you're not sitting there thinking oh wow this is so good because the, the way that this actor is doing this they're just becoming somebody else completely and you're just long for the ride and it's it's that's like where i find magic in, in movies but yeah as charlene she just she's uh um a an independent hardworking woman who has no time for anybody's crap, who is very eager to stand up for herself, not just willing to, but she's like looking for a fight sometimes. <laughs> she knows what all the guys are looking for and she's not interested in any of it. I think that she, you know, like, yes, in the movie that kind of played off as the moment that Mickey steps up for her and puts that one guy down. But I think it's like she was already kind of interested in him because he's so humble and he's just like so quiet and unassuming. He comes up to her, yes, to hit on her, but not in the like, hey, hey, babe, mm -hmm. how about I take you out for like, you know, whatever. And and then he he tries too hard in the beginning. He tries too hard. He takes her so to, cute. yes, it's adorable. He's like, <laughs> so um, girls like classy things. And this movie is like, seems like a classy thing and yeah he was not looking at the right audience like mm, know your audience dude and it was it was so sweet it was adorable it was absolutely adorable mm -hmm. and but then her reaction afterwards just really shows you who this woman is she's just like a down-to-earth girl who just wants the same things that he does and he just has to find that out without the artifice of what dating supposedly is it's it's lovely i love it yeah <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that she says there, there wasn't there weren't even good sex scenes in it. <laughs> I loved that. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> so Aaron, your thoughts on Charlene? I feel like you're being kind of harsh to Charlene. I'm gonna defend her a little bit because I feel like I I don't know tough love like that's what this family needs is some tough love and I feel like you're not going to get through to him unless you're going to be like real serious I think she knows like she said she went to college she didn't finish she knows that there's something better outside of like this neighborhood for everybody and she knows that he can be better she wants to be better but I didn't get the impression that she's trying to like ride his coattails mm -hmm. i think she genuinely wants to make him a better person and sometimes like you just got to like be tough about it i don't i mean whenever he's they're sitting on the couch and <laughs> that scene when she meets alice and she's like i've oh, heard yeah. a lot about you and she's like i've heard a lot about you <laughs> yeah these two are the same woman but like he's kind of scared of his mom and she and he wants to stand up for himself but he can't and that's what Charlene is there for she's trying to help him I don't think she's pushing him around or anything I think it's just this is a very strong-willed family and it's gonna take a strong-willed woman to defend Mickey like I I think 
she's good for him. Yes, she gets mad and she like shuts him out and she walks out of the gym that one day. And but again, that's like you're not going to get through to him unless you do something extreme. I feel like that's like their whole family thing is everything is so extreme. <laughs> A lot of yelling, <laughs> everything very, very loud. I feel like it's really loud in that house, like all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's be like, a big no, thank you. Don't invite me to dinner. I'm not interested. I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like everyone's talking at once all of the time. Like the volume is here. Um, <laughs> it's very stressful, probably. Mm -hmm. And I love the way she stands up to herself against his family. I think that's great. I think most women would not have done that because they're kind of scary. Alice is a little terrifying. She will probably stab somebody. So definitely for sure especially if you mess with her sons <laughs> she'll let the girls especially defend themselves especially she'll let the yeah she'll let the girls fight for themselves but she will stab someone for her boys for sure which oh. is funny because they're the boxers right <laughs> where do you think they learned it from the dad no <laughs> is that right yeah they're definitely not the the, the ones who control the dads mm -mm. right no not so no. much so yeah, now I like Charlene. I I get the feeling that she she was there to help Mickey. Yeah, she's tough, but she has to be in this environment. I feel like, especially around Alice. I agree a lot with both with what both of you have said. Actually, I think it's kind of a combination. I think she. Um, I think the reason Mickey is so attracted to her is because she is so similar to his family and to what he's used to. And I think that's a big reason. Um, and I think when he picks her up in the bar, he, it's so funny watching this person who, no matter how my feelings on Mark Wahlberg, he is a very attractive man. And watching this very attractive man hitting on this very attractive woman, and he seems so insecure. Like, <laughs> well, she's like making so, fun of him too. She's like giving know, him but, a hard time. But even before she exactly. does that, he's still insecure. He's like, like he doesn't know how to do this. And it makes him actually really attractive. And I think that probably made him very attractive to her because she's so used to guys probably just coming up and slapping her butt and doing that kind of gross stuff and feeling like they can or like they own her. And he respects her right away. And the fact that he would go and take her to this art house picture, to this fancy night, when usually probably pe people treat her like she's dirt. And so that's probably really was attractive to her too. So I think in her, for her, I think she saw in Mickey someone who was really sweet and who might actually treat her well and with a lot of respect. And I do think she's very tough. She's very strong. Like I said, the scene with her and Dickie on the porch was like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie because I love their interaction and the fact that they can go toe to toe. And they're actually very similar. <laughs> that's the thing is they're very similar. And I think that's why they butt heads so much because they're so similar, except for she's sober and he's not. That's, I think, the difference between them. And I think that's why that scene works so well, because, of course, he's sober at that moment in time. But also because they both love Mickey the same amount and they both want good for Mickey. I do think, though, that she sometimes can forget that Mickey has a voice. And that's a big problem with everybody in this movie is everybody forgets that Mickey is a human being and he has his own voice and he can make his own decisions. And he's a grown man and people don't want to listen to him. And I mean, there's the whole scene where he finally 
you know, breaks down about that in the, in the, um, in the rings, you know, and I, I kind of laugh when I watch it though, because of the performance of it. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> but that's the whole scene where he's just sitting there going, you know, this is my life. And I think Charlene needs that reminder too, because she does kind of just forget. And she's like, okay, if you're going to be with me, you have to do things my way or I'm out of here. And if you don't do things my way, I'm out of here. And which is the same way that everybody else treats him. And that is kind of frustrating, but I think towards the end, they kind of work that out. And I think they've got good chemistry. And I think Amy Adams is, you know, such a good actress. And I've loved her since Junebug, which is, uh, she's so good at that movie. If you haven't seen the movie Junebug, uh, go see Junebug. I totally forgot about that. Oh, she's... yes. She's so good. I used to do uh, the monologue towards the end of that movie. I won't say if Carla hasn't seen the movie, but I used to do that monologue as an audition piece. Uh, but I, I love, love her in that. She's so good. And then also watch her. You want to see her big range. Go watch her then after Junebug. Go watch her in Sharp Objects, the HBO show. Chris Messina's in it, Carla. <laughs> the best Chris. Uh <laughs> And she is so good. And that's a twisted show. And she, that's a dark character for her. Uh, and so I like her in this because it's such a different kind of character for her to play. Because I think what happened to her a lot is she got the good girl role. She's kind of broken free from that. But she always got the little, the good, goody, goody girl roles. And she's so much more than that. And she has such range. And she's just a natural and she can hold her own against a lot of different people. And so I loved watching her in this. I also think people forget how attractive she is. Honestly, I do. I think people kind of just think of her as pretty or cute. But she is sexy as hell, man. She is so flippin' sexy in this movie. And not just because of the clothes she wears or lack of clothes. She is just so sexy. And I mean... Granted, she's not wearing much, but the the almost sex scene, <laughs> they get interrupted by the whole family, but the almost sex scene <laughs> with her and Mickey is sexy as hell. It's hot. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> because, and it's partly because she gets to be so in command. Yes. You know, like she's she's in, in, in complete control of of herself as a character like she you just you're just like wow yeah okay mm -hmm. let's, let's go yeah she's having him say yes mistress but what i like about that scene and granted the director is not very good when it comes to women but what I like about that scene, too, is you see a woman in power of her sexuality over a man who usually, because, because this man's a boxer, so he's a fighter, and so you think this is the person that's going to be in control in any kind of intimate situation, but that's not the case at all. She has complete control in that situation, no matter if he was going to be on top of her or not. That really you know she's in control and you can see that and the way she holds her body and even when you know in the bar scene when she's leaning over and of course the camera is very male gazy and looking at her ass still though there's something about the way amy adams plays that that you can see how in control of her sexuality she is and that's so rare to see with a woman 
on screen, especially in this kind of a movie where you're talking about boxing, which to me, it still is not a boxing movie, but even when you're talking about that, you know, to see that is very rare. And so I just applaud Amy Adams for that really. Cause I think that's her that's doing that. I don't necessarily think it's the script or the directing. I think a lot of that is on her and I love seeing that. So that makes that scene all the more hotter where you kind of go, Oh, you stupid family has to interrupt this. Seriously. <laughs> I was so mad. It's like, can you have like, blue balls but in your eyes because that's kind of what i'm feeling blue balls but in your eyes that's amazing i don't need contacts i just need to watch that scene with the blue eyes there we go that's hilarious <laughs> yeah because it is it is very frustrating and i'm like man she must have been so frustrated when that happened <laughs> i i mean the, the character not amy adams <laughs> Both, both. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. But yeah, I, I think she's really good. I, I just, I, I think Amy Adams, even though she gets a lot of awards nominations, I still think in some respects she's underrated because I think people don't realize how much range she really, truly has. She's just incredible. I love her. And I'm glad she works a lot with Christian Bale because I think, I don't know, I think that's a really good pairing, you know, especially in the other two movies that they work together since they have a, since they're really, really close dynamic in both of those ones, um, especially American Hustle. Okay. So let's talk about Alice. <laughs> we need to talk about Alice. Uh, <laughs> she's not in Wonderland. Um, so Carl's like, trying to live puns. here. Yeah. <laughs> but she does she have a restaurant? Anymore. She, she probably would like to have a restaurant. Alice is, yeah, she definitely, she, she probably heard that song. More people can push around. Like, yeah, she's <laughs> great. Be a lot of screaming. Oh, Alice, sweet Alice. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Alice and Melissa Leo's performance? Well, okay. Well, to start, I want to just go back and make a point about what I was saying about Charlene. I wasn't saying that Charlene was trying to ride his coattails. I was just... I was saying that Alice and her family was, but that in all other ways, Charlene is so much like Alice. I was just bringing up that point about the family. Yeah. So back to Alice. Yes. Alice, she knows nothing but how to manage her boys. Like she doesn't seem to have really much going on outside of that. Even as her girls are there always constantly do they live there just do they weird. just like come over every single day they just like they pile sleep. into the they car and the they, they just sit in the living room and like talk crap about everybody in the neighborhood that, that's their that, that's their profession and yeah like it seems like um like they were relying on the income from from the boys and when dickie didn't pan out well now it's mickey like who else have we got um how about seven women who probably could do something you know like i don't know like, i'm sure th there are things that you could do but um although I, okay whatever i'm not gonna get, get into like a whole spiral about it i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it but yeah so alice is just oh from the moment she walks in and they're doing the documentary on on dickie and um she she walks in and she's trying to fix things and and make things the way that she thinks that they should be and 
just redirecting everything. I'm like, oh, was this supposed to happen? Yeah, of course I knew that was going to happen. Of course, I'm on top of everything. I'm a fantastic manager and mom. Okay, sure. But she coddles her boys, but at the same time, she pushes them so hard. And it's, it's, you know, like I, I don't know personally everything that happened in this family, but it's, it's hard for an oldest child who is kind of put in charge of his family and then you've let them down and then you keep letting them down and you're in the vicious cycle that I mentioned before. And then the, the next best thing you can do is to relive your glory days through your brother. And you have the mom there who's kind of telling you that, yes, this is a great role for you to be in. You know, like this is fantastic because he needs somebody who knows all about all of this and, um, and has lived the life and you're so good at, at what you do. Like, I'm not even going to, I'm going to pretend that I don't know about all of your escapades. La, 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 la. I don't see it. Can't be happening because I don't see it. Like the times that, that everybody from like, George and O'Keefe and even Mickey are like, you know where he is. You know what he's doing. And, and she's like, somebody go get Geek. Does anybody know where Dickie is? Everybody knows where Dickie is. Go get him yourself if you're that concerned. But she refuses to see it. And then it's like, <laughs> when she catches him jumping out of, uh, uh, into the, the dumpster, she knew he was going to be there. Like, that. that's how, you know, what is she to not seeing what is happening with her son and only wanting to see the good things. It's almost the opposite with, with Mickey where she's pushing him in ways that are not healthy for him and isn't really letting the people who have more expertise step in. Like she knows a lot, not to take that away from her because she knows a lot. She's really learned a lot about the industry, but on, on, in like in a small pond kind of way and she wants so badly to exert control and to have complete control over everything that she's completely reluctant not just, not just reluctant but like refusing to give up the control to somebody who can have mickey do the things that he wants and deserves and that she also wants because you know money whatever the family name who knows it, it's really sad that she places so much emphasis on on them to the detriment of herself and to her husband and everybody else. And it's kind of funny that, that um, Mickey and George are so similar in that they both let the, the, the stronger people in their lives just completely run over them. And so it's even more impressive when George kind of steps up and it's like, okay, we're going to do things differently. Your mom's going to hit me, but it's okay. Like, no, it's not okay. But I I guess you know what your, what the circumstances are. And Melissa Leo is just so good in this role. Like, you know, you, you have to give it to her. I don't blame her at all for touting her, her performance because it's a strong performance. It's, it's, um, you really buy that she is just this um, small town mom who really thinks that she knows everything and she knows what's best. And her entire sense of, of being depends on her children's successes and failures. And the only way for her to continue to kind of live in this bubble 
is to ignore the failures that that are out of her control. Because if you really think about it, like, you know, with, with Mickey, his boxing stuff, she she's like, it's okay, we'll get him next time. You know, like, we can fix this. And, you know, I, I, I got Leo to give us a better fight and to blah, blah, blah. But with with Dickie, it's, it's just, you know, she's really thrown in the towel because that's something that she can't do anything about. I mean, Dickie can't do anything about it at that point. So, but yeah, like the the performance was stellar. She's terrifying. I never want to meet her in real life. The character, Melissa Leo might be a wonderful <laughs> person. What do I know? But I certainly don't want to meet Alice. Thank you very much. Yeah. I will stay in the car. I'll wave to her as I drive away very, very fast. Yes. Especially if her daughters are around. No, thank you. Like all cut from the, all cut from the same cloth, hard pass. <laughs> so true. And Aaron, your thoughts? I don't really have a lot to say about Alice. She's Melissa Leo is amazing and she totally deserves to win every award for this. I Alice is like the worst mom like ever. I think she loves him but loves her kids but does she love them because they're supporting her? I just don't have anything nice to say about her. I know that's terrible, but there is a lot going on there. I feel like she's probably got her own issues to deal with and again i would have loved to see more of like the backstory of what happens 20 30 years leading up to this point where the movie is set but because i think there's probably a lot going on there and she probably had to be a tough lady to take care of her family i'm sure especially when you got nine little kids to take care of that's a lot um so you probably have to be a badass to do that i can only imagine I just like the the way that she can just ignore yeah everything that that Dickie is doing and just consciously make an effort of like you know what he's doing and you're just gonna let him keep doing it you think that's what's best for your son that you love that's clearly your favorite child it just seems very exploitive of what she's doing to these to these boys that she claims that she wants to do the best for and obviously that's why she her and Charlene can't get along <laughs> because they <laughs> both they want what's best for them in their own way and i yeah the whenever she's like throwing stuff at george and throwing plates and pans at him and stuff is yeah she's a scary scary lady and then one of the girls was like you know maybe it's not a bad idea you should try something different and she's basically like i'll kill you (laughs) yeah (laughs) whoa (laughs) yeah so yeah i just i don't think the performance is great, but I think, gosh, I really hope that she was a better mother than that, but I kind of don't think she was, unfortunately. Not my favorite character. Yeah, I, I, she's very hard to watch, not because of the performance, because the performance is amazing and she deserved all the accolades. Um, she's hard to watch because she's the way she favors Dickie yet at the same time she is enabling Dickie like she's treating Dickie like her prize pony almost in this way and it's really sad you know she wants to ignore everything that is right there right in front of her face she knows who Dickie is she knows Dickie is an addict she knows Dickie is drowning she knows this stuff 
But because she's always kind of viewed him as her prize pony and the one that's going to get her family out of everything. And even though Mickey is now the one that that's kind of gone to, she still looks at Dickie as that. And I think for everybody else, that's also got to be hard because how are you supposed to live up to that? How are you supposed to be okay when your mom and everybody else is just kind of like, you know, kind of in the shadow of Dickie and Alice, but really Dickie and Alice were really Alice's misconception of who Dickie is. And I think for Dickie, that's got to be really hard because here he is put in the position where you are going to be my prize winner. You're going to do everything great. So I think that's plays into why Dickie uh, is the way he is and why Dickie is always like boasting about stuff and you know that's bigger than it was because he kind of feels like he has to do that and I think he is kind of like a surrogate parent and she put that on him and I feel for Mickey because Mickey never gets really any kind of respect from her he just gets from her you are going to do what I say and you're going to do what Dickie says and you have no agency and I control you and I say what you're going to say. And if you don't, you have to betray your entire family. It's like <laughs> he's just trying to live a life. And she's like, no, you have betrayed us. You have betrayed us by trying to fall in love. You have betrayed us by trying to be an individual. You have betrayed us by trying to live your life. And no, as a parent, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to that. But I would think as a parent, your biggest wish is that your child can have a life that's filled with love and greatness and wonder and that you succeed and that you're able to take care of yourself on your own. And Alice's biggest wish is that her kids give everything to her, do everything for her, follow her rules and make her happy. And if she's not happy, then I don't care about your happiness is her thinking. And that's toxic. And that leads to a lot of why her kids are the way they are and especially since we're mainly focused on her sons, why her son's dynamic is the way it is. And she's just let Dickie, she's enabled Dickie for so long that she might as well be one of his dealers in a lot of respects. She might as well be giving him drugs because she just wants to ignore that. And I'm not saying it, the onus is on her to make sure he gets clean because that's not at all true. But she still doesn't want to look at that. She doesn't want to face it. She doesn't want to be like, hey, this is who you are, Dickie. And the whole scene where she watches him jump out of there and when he sings and he manipulates her in that, but she wants to be manipulated because she doesn't want to believe that her prize possession is broken. And, you know, she probably even knows what the documentary is really about, but she doesn't want to look at what the documentary is really about. So it's just, she's a sad, sad character. And uh, yeah, I would never want to meet her in real life. I would be terrified. She would eat me alive. I, I could not be a realist person. Uh, but Melissa Leo does an amazing, awesome, awesome job. She is incredible. So yeah, so hats off. Definitely, definitely to her. I, I wanted to talk about just one in one scene in particular in this movie, because I think it's very important and very pivotal. And there's the moment when the HBO documentary comes out and, and throughout this thing, except for the one scene that you see before this, where the filmmaker says this is about crack in America, uh, everybody else, especially Dickie, 
has been building up this HBO documentary because he's had this documentary crew following him around and saying it's about his comeback, his comeback as a fighter, when really it's all about the crack epidemic and he's a crack addict. And so this documentary airs and you see everybody watching it. Dickie is in prison at this time. And so every all the other inmates are all watching it, um, gathered around. He's so excited. Everybody's excited to see him. And then you also watch his family watching it. You know, you watch, you know, the, you watch Alice and all of her very quiet and calm daughters. <laughs> just kidding. And totally um, son, son almost comes down and watches it, but it doesn't. And then, of course, you see Mickey and everybody watching this one. And, of course, you see, um, which we didn't talk about, but Mickey also has a daughter and a horrible, mm-hmm. horrible ex. Who oh, is my awful. God. And, awful and keeps trying to take his daughter and doesn't want him to have anything to do with his daughter she's so horrible and she's making uh, she's making her daughter watch this documentary which i wanted to just scream yeah anyway so i think this scene is very important to talk about because i think this is the one most the most pivotal scene probably in the movie so what were your thoughts watching this carla and watching everybody's reaction for one thing it's interesting that that the family didn't realize what it was about because the HBO people were pretty forthcoming about what it was about. Like somebody just asked them casually and they're like, Oh, it's about crack addiction. Mm-hmm. So at any point, but th- this whole time Dickie has been saying and, you know, walking around with his chest out, like, Oh, it's about me and my comeback. I'm so excited. Everybody should be excited. Let's parade down the street. Then, you know, like have more people join us. And it looks like we're going to break into song at one point, but we don't. It's a total setup and Carla's disappointed, but who cares about that? Um, That's what I want. I want the fighter musical. <laughs> HBO is making a documentary and it's all about me and my comeback. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I mean, like Christian Bale got to start in a musical, so maybe it's a return to his roots. I'm just throwing that out there, Christian Bale. He said he never like, wants to do a musical ever again. So <laughs> what if this is what if this is what, what changes his mind though? What if this is the point where he's like, you know, that sounds really good. I'm just <laughs> In ever and lots of actors say never to something, and then they're like, "Oh, well, I'll make this one except that's putting it out there. anyway." So back to the scene thing. Okay, so I I feel like the family just either didn't bother checking with the actual production crew, the mom who claims to be on Alice who claims to be on top of everything and she knows everything, somehow didn't know what this was about so it it really just seems like it was dickie heard what he wanted to hear and he passed along what he wanted to hear and even though he's in the room he's directly in front of the guy who is telling this person what the documentary is about either chooses to or just plain out can't hear what he's saying when he says what it's about so when it comes out and dickie is uh so excited to show it to everybody at the at the prison because he has become the prison's, you know, like everybody's best buddy as he does because he is charismatic and so likable. And then they, you know, it starts out with with all of the cool things that he thinks are actually what this is about. And then it gets down to the nuts and bolts of it. And he's like, oh, my God. And I think that that's like a really sobering moment for him because he he has to look at the way that other people look at him. And it's not just adulation and it's not just 
this unconditional support, which is actually enablement, enables, whatever, um, his mother enabling him. And realize that not everybody has kind eyes towards what his life has become. So he really just has to kind of come to grips with who he has really become and what he really is. Because just ending up in jail didn't do that for him. It's not like, hey, so maybe it wasn't such a good idea to pretend to be a cop and to, you know, to steal people's money. And maybe that's not a good path to be on. And, you know, it, it took an actual documentary about his life for him to be like, oh, damn. Yeah, this is not good, guys. And then so the, the whole family's reaction is understandable because they're operating on Dickie's word that this is some kind of glorious film about the Lowell's favorite son, you know. And then you, the, the chain of reactions, the the moment that Alice and, and all of the sisters are watching and then they're like, whoa, pump the brakes. What the hell is going on here? It's just... It must be like a huge slap in the face to them because this is kind of the family secret. You know, like pretty much everybody in the town knows, but at the same time, it is the family secret and it's so embarrassing for them. And oh no, shame on the family. And um, and, and now everybody knows that that Dickie is an addict and that he is not a good father and that he's, you know, all of these problems are, are following him everywhere. You have um, Mickey's reaction, where he knows who he who his brother is. He he's been affected directly, and he's already like cut ties with him by this point. Because at, at the at the courthouse, Dickie is like, "I did this for you. Like, why are you so mad at me? I did this for you." Mm-hmm. And Mickey's like, "Why would I want you to do this for me? Like, this is the most ridiculous thing you've ever done. Like, what is your problem?" And has cut him off, but he, but still, again, it's the family secret being out there. It's his, it's his big brother whom he admires so much being exposed like this. Mm-hmm. And that I think for Mickey, for, for, for um, Alice and the sisters, it's, it's, it hurts and it's a humiliation. And Alice particularly sees it as like, oh no, our brand. But Mickey sees it as like a personal, thing as, as one would i think ex- unless you're Alice, um where this is somebody that you love being publicly shamed in like in a really horrible way and i think it's really wonderful that charlene sees it and comes to comfort him because oh my god it, that that's it's a huge blow to bear when you're just sitting down for a good time and then you're you're you know Oh, it's it's I, I can't imagine it's just awful. And I think it's really great too that it was before cell phones were like a big thing yeah. where you actually have to show up at somebody's door, you know, like it, maybe yeah. she was trying to call and 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 he's on the phone with his mom and he's like, damn it, Alice, you ruined everything. And so she has to like actually put on her slacks and you know, like put on her shoes and go over there. Like, I didn't want to have to come here, but you couldn't pick up the phone. So I'm kidding. It was a really touching moment. It was really sweet. And I think that it was something that they both really needed to see each other again as just people who are going through stuff. But then, yeah, like the fact that that Mickey's ex is showing this to his little girl 
and it's 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 a spiteful thing. It's it's not like it's an educational thing of like you know like this is this can happen even in our family. This is just look at the dirt that your mm -hmm. father's family is. It's just rubbing it in his face through her daughter's psyche, which is just awful, awful, awful. Not just to Mickey, but to the daughter, because she is going to be the one to bear the scars of having to learn this way instead of being sat down and said, "Listen." Uncle Dicky has some issues that he's working through. It's like he has to watch this through like somebody else's POV, and that's not a POV that's set out to be kind. Yeah, and and it's 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 understandable that that Dicky would be like, okay, we're not watching this anymore. And of course, his first reaction is anger. There's nobody else to be angry at in the moment than the people who are sitting there next to him. So mm -hmm. it's good that you know that people got involved and were like, oh, let's not have a fight right now. This is not a good idea. But yeah, it, it's a uh, it's so heartbreaking just seeing everybody's illusions smashed like that it's it's so sad yeah and aaron i just don't understand like how alice could like willfully ignore this like she had to have known what they're doing like she's involved in everything she wants to know every single little thing that her sons are doing she never talked to the crew like it, they were there filming for like 18 months and she never was like what's this movie about again tell me like really like she knew and she just let it continue to happen because she didn't want to deal with it and like that's just the worst the worst she's the worst <laughs> and her reaction watching it you could tell like the anger and embarrassment it was embarrassment for herself not for her son it like you know, he's embarrassed her and he's embarrassed the family, but she really, I don't think, had any care about what it's done to his life, really. I I think it's it's sad that Dickie went to prison, but it's good that he was sober when he watched this movie because I feel like he would have had a totally different reaction if he had been high when he was watching this. He would have been like, I am awesome, look at me. Um, but you could just tell by his reaction of like, this isn't, like it started out like yeah yeah this movie's really cool and then it, like he slowly starts to realize like oh like this is how i was you know and i think that's a really powerful scene whenever he does walk out and he's alone by himself and he kind of just breaks down and he was like god like what have i done i think that is really important that at least he saw that in a sober state of mind because i feel like mm -hmm. it would have been really really different if he hadn't and the fact that Alice's first reaction is to just call Mickey and start screaming at her or at him about, like, why didn't you stop this? Like, hello, you're the one that wants to be in charge of everything, but somehow this isn't your fault? Like, really, lady? Mm -hmm. Come on. And I agree. That's one of the best scenes is whenever um, Charlene just shows up at his door and they don't have to talk. She just hugs him. She, You know, that just really shows how much they need each other and i think that was really great and yeah his his ex is just awful and it's really sad that like like mickey has to talk to her husband and be like just let me talk to my kid for a second like she's just always just trying to play the kid against him which doesn't turn out well for the kid like that's just bad parenting 
But yeah, and that was like a really harsh movie to let any child watch, even like not even just the crack part of it. There's like some really disturbing things happening in this movie that like small children should not be watching. Um, mm -hmm. That's just insane. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that she was okay with all of this happening. She's just got a lot of um, issues going on that she would willfully ignore 18 months of filming. It's insane. I think what this really clearly illustrates is that when you have an addict in the family, it's very easy to try and ignore all the warning signs and ignore what's there. And it's easier to make believe in your head because everybody had to know what this really was about. So it's easier in your head to make believe that this documentary was not about crack addiction, but this documentary was about how great and wonderful Dickie is. And there are scenes shot in here of him doing drugs <laughs> in the documentary. And so it's not, you know, there's scenes of him talking about the first time he ever did crack. There's scenes of him explicitly about that. So it's not like they never shot scenes about that. It's not like it wasn't there. But I think this clearly shows how even though this family knows, like you said, Carla, this is their big secret. And even though everybody knows about it, Everybody sometimes is vocal about it. It's still a secret. And they even watched this knowing in the back of their minds, knowing the reality of what this was going to be about. But for some reason, they still were like, no, maybe it actually won't be about that. Maybe we'll watch it and magically it's going to be about what Dickie said it's about. Magically, we're going to see some story of how there's this big comeback for Dickie. And it's not about that at all. And I do want to say kudos that they got Dickie's son out of the room and didn't let him watch that because unlike when they let him be in the courthouse when Dickie was sentenced, finally this was a good thing that they didn't let the son watch this because that's not something the son needs to see. Those children are going to need so much therapy. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> I hope to them. God that they've gotten it by now because, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. But, and watching Alice, I think... Alice has this defense mechanism instantly kick in where I think there's a part of her that goes, oh my gosh, I have screwed up everything. And I think she briefly thinks that for two seconds. And then she's like, okay, who can I blame for this? Because of course this isn't actually, I didn't do any of this. Nothing of this is on me. I didn't know what was going on. So I'm going to blame Mickey. That's the easiest person for me to blame because that's who she always seems to tend to want to blame is Mickey. And so she sets out, she wants to do that. and then she's she's just she just is in such denial and here it is right in front of her face and she's still wanting to deny deny that this is happening and watching dickie bale is just so flippin amazing in this movie it's just it's so incredible because i do agree i i'm really glad that he saw this when he was sober because i think then it really sunk in and i honestly think watching this led to that scene later with the cake when he decides not to do drugs. I think watching this and seeing who he really is and seeing himself and seeing like a mirror image and seeing what it really is that he does. Cause if he had been high when he watched it, I don't think it would have computed. It would have computed in his head of uh, what he was really watching. But I think because he was sober, he's watching himself as an addict and seeing what that's really done to him. 
And I think it's very painful for him. It's a very painful realization. Of course, he's going to lash out in anger and who he's really angry at is himself. Um, he's angry at himself because of what he's done. He's angry at himself that he put his family in this situation. He's angry at himself that he let himself get filmed in his most vulnerable state, um, his most bare state, and that he convinced himself that that's not what was happening. And Dickie convinces himself all the time of everything that, you know, things are better than they are and that he's bigger than he is and that he's more accomplished than he is. And this was just another example of that to the extreme. I mean, in the very opening scene, we used to, you know, when they're walking around, he's like, HBO's making a movie about me. And he's just so excited about this. And you can tell through the whole thing that the camera crew, when they show the camera crew, they're all kind of like, he has no idea what we're doing. And nobody's accepting what we're doing. And even when we tell them what we're doing, they're not accepting what we're doing. So it's it's a it's a sad, heartbreaking scene to watch because you Watch everybody go from elation and joy and thrill and it's this big moment to just complete devastation. And just, it's like, basically, it's like, you know, those nightmares when you show up and you're naked and everybody's looking at you or you show up and you've forgotten your lines or something like that. It's like that to the nth degree. It's everything's laid bare. And this family that is like, they hold on to this mantle of being the pride of Lowell through Dickie and then through Mickey. That's just completely dissolved in this moment. And Dickie, who was like this big celebrity in in prison, all of a sudden he becomes like a laughing stock for a minute there, you know. So it's it, it's very heartbreaking. It's a very sad scene to watch, but it's very important, I think. It kind of just changes a lot of the movie from there on out. That's, I think, the turning point in the film. And I don't think you'd have a lot of the scenes that you have after it if that that hadn't happened. But yeah, the, the mother of Mickey's child is a horrible, awful person. <laughs> I mean, just awful. And I just felt so bad for his daughter because, oh, that was awful. It's not like he's a horrible person. I mean, it's like, I'm sure she also wasn't happy with her portrayal. <laughs> I wonder about that. Yeah, I, haven't, I didn't see that, but maybe she's she's the only person who was like spot on. <laughs> you know what? I am awful. You know what? I am awful. <laughs> maybe she sees it as like see see what a good mom I am. She's as oh, yeah. as, as Dicky was when yeah she had the same revelation as Dicky. Like oh my god, this is me in a movie. This is bad. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, even though we've, I think we all kind of agree this is, this, it's about boxing, but this really isn't a typical boxing movie because there's very little fighting in this movie, uh, except for a lot of words fighting, but very little like boxing. But there are fight scenes. You know, there's a big, huge match toward the end here. So, what did you think of the fight scenes in this, Carla? When we did get them. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something that you might not realize. Okay, something that you might not be aware of. And that is that I don't know squat about boxing. <laughs> <gasps> I know nothing What's... about it. I know you're shocked. Don't lie to us. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I know, like, just you, you guys think that I'm this boxing connoisseur and I follow all the matches and stuff. And whatever, but I, I don't. Therefore, to me, it just looks like they're doing good boxing and that there are punches and they're really solid punches 
except for the ones that don't land, and those are not good punches. And that also looked realistic when they didn't land and when they did land. Now, as far as them, um, like when they drop, because they're like punchy, punchy, ow, and then they fall. Um, that seemed like a thing that would actually happen because punches look like they hurt. So that seemed very true to life as well. My favorite punchy, punchy, ow is when um, Mickey, there's this one guy who everybody's like, no, Mickey, you can't win against him. And Mickey's like, I bet you I can. And then Mickey goes and he's just like, oh, I'm not going to punch you. I'm not going to punch you. I'm going to let you punch me. And, oh, you're slowing down. And now I'm going to come out and punch you. And that was really, really cool. And I liked that a lot. And I think that if I did follow boxing, I would be super hype about it. As it stands, I was very hype about it because I didn't know the stakes. And that works really well for me, not knowing the stakes about boxing. It looked very real, although I will say that for all that Mark Wahlberg did an incredible job at looking like a boxer, sometimes he did seem like his punches were a little on the slow side. And that's just as as an observer, not as a boxing connoisseur. I will reiterate that. It looked to me like he could have punchy punchy it a little faster, moved his feet a little faster. Um, I don't know if that's because he was doing it exactly like Mick was doing it or if it's just a Mark Wahlberg thing. But those are my takeaways from the boxing portions of the film that are mostly not about boxing. Thank you for your time. Punchy, punchy, ow. I think every time. <laughs> solid strategy. Punchy, it, punchy, it sounds ow. to me like a term that should be used in boxing. Just... Like, oh no, he got punchy, punchy, ow, and now he's fallen. It's the Carla technique. The yes. Carla technique. <laughs> he looks so sad to be on the floor now. Can somebody please pick him up? It'd be really embarrassing to get knocked out by a move called punchy, punchy, ow. That's like, true. It would I would think injury. so. And I also feel like, you know what, like, you know, do they take the time to clean these these boxing floors particularly well? Because like, they it, didn't have COVID blood is notoriously difficult to get out of stuff. Does somebody come back in with like maybe some Clorox or vinegar? I don't know. What do you use to hydrogen peroxide, I think? <laughs> yes. Whatever it is that you use and then you remove it and then you disinfect it and... I don't know. It, it's it just the whole thing seems just really unsanitary to me. <laughs> it does not look very hygienic, and I'm concerned for everybody's health. And in addition to the whole punching and the punching in the head and punching in the organs, and like, oh, it's a kidneys. kidney punch. That doesn't sound like a good thing. Kidneys no. are kind of important. <laughs> just a little. Don't. Yeah. So are brains. Like. Could you like maybe punch each other's shoulders, you know, like ow, 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 yeah, like maybe punch a little less? I don't know, I don't know. Again, not a connoisseur, <laughs> Aaron. I'm sure you're a connoisseur. Um, yeah, do you know, not <laughs> not as much as Carla, obviously, not a big fan of sports that involve punching, like, I. I've seen my fair share of pay-per-view fights at parties or whatever, but like not like going to go out of my way to watch a boxing match. I am a big fan of sweaty Mark Wahlberg with no shirt. I am okay with this. <laughs> I will watch all of the fights. <laughs> uh, 
that being said, the fight scenes seemed a little long. They seemed to go on for like ever, right? Like, do we need a recap of every single round of a fight? Like, the scenes seemed a little long to me. But again, like the whole punching each other it seems like a really weird barbaric sport i don't know yeah i feel like they were just trying to like retain their cred as a boxing movie they're like oh shoot you guys we've gone too long without anybody punching anybody else like we we promised for like 10 minutes minutes right (laughs) (laughs) we gotta make good on this i don't yeah and like the whole the really the slow motion punching and the sweat just is so gross it really grosses me out I think my favorite fight scene was actually whenever Charlene started punching one of the sisters. <laughs> that yes. is the greatest scene. Yes, that was awesome. That's my like favorite on the front porch. Scene. <laughs> that was amazing. Agree. Like, like Alice is is yelling at Mickey on one corner, and the other corner is Charlene with all of the siblings. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that was for sure the best fight. And then the ending of that scene, whenever George pulls up and he gets out of the truck and he says, I'm gonna get in the truck. And I loved that. He's like, uh uh-uh, no way, man. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, not a huge fan of boxing, but it, the scenes were well done. I feel like they were suspenseful and they were good, even though I had basically no idea what was going on. But I think they were well filmed. And this is not a boxing movie. I've watched a lot of boxing movies, though. I've watched, you know, I think Creed is a really good movie. I think Creed 2 is a really good movie. Um, <laughs> do you think it's a really good movie? So just movie? those two. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal is really good. Yeah. So I've watched a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, boxing movies, I've watched upwards of two. <laughs> So, so I know a lot, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny that you said that the fight scenes, fight scenes seemed long, Aaron. Because honestly, compared to those vast movies <laughs> I've seen, these fight scenes were so short. <laughs> it was like, it was kind of like they were like, oh yeah, we got to put some fight scenes in here because this, we're about talking about boxing, so we better throw some scenes in here. We don't really care about the length of them because that's not what we're really talking about. So we'll just put them in here, right here, and and towards the end, and we'll just put them at the end, and we'll put a couple more in there, and and yeah. So I mean, so to me, they weren't boring. Like I think a lot of those boxing scenes can become so boring in movies because they just go on and on and on and to me i don't understand boxing i don't get why it's such a thrill to beat each other up like that and and i don't know it seems so cruel and mean i don't know and dangerous incredibly dangerous i don't uh i mean like those punches to the head the kidneys the everything well and it seems like it seems like a really weird sport for a mother to encourage their sons to do as well right (laughs) true yeah that's true that's great i want you to have traumatic brain injury by the time you're 40 so that like that doesn't make any sense at all (laughs) it's another reason why alice is a terrible mother (laughs) yes like don't come home if you don't need an mri (laughs) (laughs) you're doing it wrong yes (laughs) how many mris have you had this year you're not fighting hard enough only three what is that what are you some kind of loser <laughs> so yeah i can't speak to it much either i just thought it was important to kind of mention that they were there since there's a smell <laughs> so 
they do have fight scenes in here. It's just not about boxing. So really, um, <laughs> you know, they were punchy, punchy, ow, <laughs> punchy, punchy down, punchy, punchy up, punchy, punchy down yes. for the count. <laughs> Thank you for using the correct terminology. I feel like so often in, in film podcasts, they don't use the correct terminology for these sports that they've worked so hard on. It's true. Punchy, punchy from now punchy, on, punchy. everybody. Yes. All you punchy, filmmakers punchy out. out there. <laughs> Next time you make a boxing movie, say, use the punchy, punchy out technique. Yes. <laughs> if we see that in a boxing movie, you're going to have to be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trademarking that. that. <laughs> be like, this is the car. I mean, this is the Carl technique. <laughs> That's exactly how it'll be. Can't attribute it to no woman. I know. I know. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com But we're going to talk about David O. Russell here. So little like trigger warnings here because David O. Russell is known to be very verbally abusive on his film sets, dating all the way back to forever. He also um, has been accused of uh, sexual harassment and assault. And so trigger warnings on all of that, because I want to talk about this because and I'm guilty of watching his movies, even after I knew the verbal stuff, didn't know the sexual assault stuff. But after the verbal um, stuff, because like I've said, he makes movies that are actually totally up my alley. Famously, when it first came out that he was like, this was actually George Clooney. <laughs> uh, George Clooney made Three Kings, which I think is a fantastic film. I'm sorry, I do. with uh, Also with Mark Wahlberg and with Ice Cube. It's all about in the in Desert Storm and they're stealing all this money. And it's a really, really well done movie. But, and this is very notorious, George Clooney went after kept saying to David or Russell, you need to stop being an asshole, basically. And said, you know, look, you've got to stop yelling at the crew because he was yelling at the crew all the time. Um, it's just another reason to love George. And he has been very vocal about that, how off, how awful David or Russell is. And David or Russell is, hates George Clooney. And so they don't like each other because George Clooney called him on his stuff. And like I said before, um, earlier when they were making um, American Hustle, which was the second time that Amy Ryan was in a movie of his, um, Amy Adams, sorry, not Amy Ryan, <laughs> that's another actress. When Amy Adams was in that one, she talked very openly about how she would be crying a lot and he was very cruel to her and, and Christian Bale had to step in and say, stop being an asshole. But 
these people still make movies with him. So it's like, you know, we love you, Christian, but you're filming a movie with him right now. So it's like all these people come out and say how horrible he is and they continue to make, and I continue to watch him and he continues to get award nominations and people continue to look forward to him and everybody knows what a piece of shit he is. So I just thought it was important to address this because we're talking about his movie. We're going to be talking about, um, we're going to be talking about Silver Linings Playbook later in this year because it's very hard for me because to me, that movie is the most accurate depiction of bipolar disorder I have ever seen. And Bradley Cooper in that is so mind-blowingly good that I love that movie. That movie means a lot to me personally. So it's like, uh, but he's such an asshole. Not Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Love you, Bradley. Uh, David O'Reilly. As far as we know. As far as we know, you're not an asshole. <laughs> but anyway, so I want to talk about that a little bit, Carla. If you want to give a little bit of your... Re Are you a fan of David O. Russell movies? Have you seen a lot of David O. Russell movies? Or Well, I, I may have. I don't know. Like, it's very rare for me to really... Um, pay attention to who's directing stuff it's just one of those things where i'm unfortunately I, 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 okay i'm more knowledgeable about that than i am about boxing but it's not a big difference so <laughs> um but like whenever i do find this kind of stuff because some of these things it, it's inevitable that you end up hearing about them and then when you do hear of a new project that they're working on it, it is kind of like that, that slimy feeling of like ugh. Um, whether it's a director or an actor or whatever um, who is involved in it. And it's it, it really is disappointing every time that um, that an artist voluntarily signs up to work with somebody like this. It's like, you know who this person is and you know what they do. Why would you keep putting your name behind theirs? So it, it's especially after everything with you know me too and time's up and i was like and it's very selective when somebody's me too and time's up mm -hmm. moment actually matters because abuse isn't only bad when it's sexual you know it, it, it doesn't have to be sexual to be a bad thing and I think that's something that a lot of people lose perspective on. They're like, well, at least he didn't touch anybody. It's like, and which he did, by the way. David yeah. Russell absolutely did. But people will just kind of be like, oh, well, we'll, we'll let you slide on this one because X, Y, and Z. And that's not a way to, to move forward in the world or with the movement or, or anything. I also think that the, the whole idea of like, but he's such a genius. Like, okay whatever there how many people are not getting a chance to go out there and display their genius because you keep giving work to these people who don't deserve it you know like how many people are you turning away because you have like this reliable person that that you know he may be an awful despot but he makes mm -hmm. good movies like come on that that's a that's a really just frustrating way to go around with making art and i know that people end up liking collaborating with certain people and you know sometimes sometimes they'll do projects despite who they're working with but you know just think more globally think outside of the fact that oh i really want to do this project 
it's attached to this person, but I just really want to do it. You know, have your have your name mean something more than headlining a film. You know, just because you really want to do a project, sometimes the right thing to do is to step away. And frankly, the amount of of um of horrible people who are still employed is so big that it, it, it almost makes me feel like is there any hope for Hollywood to really make any kind of lasting change or any kind of change at all when all they do is talk on one side and then on the other side they're just waiting for people to let this die down before they can just go back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. And Aaron? Well, yeah, I'm not a David O. Russell fan. I've seen his movies, but I honestly probably couldn't have told you any movies before this week that he had directed. Um, but he does make excellent movies. And I find it really fascinating what people are willing to ignore or defend or justify in the name of someone being a quote genius to Carla's point. Yeah. There's plenty of other people out there that probably aren't a creep that can make just as brilliant of films if they were given a chance. And it makes me wonder, like I get, okay, this is an amazing script. Like I want to be in this movie, whatever I've got, thick skin i can deal with the yelling because i'm a big famous actor if he treats the big famous actors like this that's a choice that you've made to be in this you're a millionaire you can choose what movies you're in but it makes me really sad for the rest of the crew that don't really have the option to choose to work with this man or not and if he's going to treat these hugely famous people like this what's he treating the rest of the crew like you know and how is this okay with everybody in hollywood I know it happens like constantly all of the time, but it's just, it blows my mind that this is still acceptable behavior for people. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy to think about how this is still acceptable now. It it just kind of makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm part of the problem when it comes to his movies because I do watch him. And like I said, I'm a big fan of some of them. I think, you know, there's a big problem in Hollywood that has always been there where a lot of people kind of think this is the way a director should be. This is what directing is. Uh, Directing is you're a jerk and you're an asshole and you treat people like crap and you yell and you scream. And it's because it has been accepted for so long and people have just been like, this is just the way it is. And this is not like a regular business where, and this happens in regular businesses all the time too. But a lot of people just think that like, you know, like this is what you have to put up with. This is just part of the price you pay for being in this industry. And you saw that with um, IATSE and everything with that and everybody trying to get, you know, because it's, it's not just David O. Russell. It's thousands of people that do this. Producers production companies, directors, actors, you know, all these people do this. There's a lot of abuse in Hollywood. And even with Time's Up and Me Too, it was like, okay, for a few minutes, we'll be okay about this and we'll get a few people out, but, you know, whatever. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like reminiscent of the, you know, when you look at it, 
Dickie's drug addiction that nobody wants to look at. And this, this, that is the big, huge secret that is not a secret because nobody wants to really look at it. There was, I wish I could remember his name. I mentioned it before, but there's this big producer that he was very abusive to all his assistants would throw like computers at them, throw things at them. And recently there was a big article published about him and how abusive he was. And he, there's a really small independent movie that sadly, uh, this was years and years ago, the lead, the abusive producers portrayed by um, Kevin Spacey, who is an absolute scumbag. But they always said that this was based on him and this guy. And I wish I could remember this guy's name. I can't remember it now. But so these people are everywhere and they still get to do what they do because people hide behind that genius that, oh, this is just part of being a genius is you're going to be destructive. It's just like the only way you can make art is through pain, <laughs> which is bullshit. So it, it perpetuates that. And when people keep working with them, even though they've witnessed that abuse, maybe they've even been on the other end of that abuse, they've experienced that abuse and they still keep working with them. It, it's kind of saying, well, we know they're horrible, but we're just going to excuse it because we love working with them. And I want to say is, even though I'm, I'm a fan of his movies, I think what makes and why he gets away with a lot of this, not just because of the people he surrounds him with, the actors, but the performances are what make these movies. It's not necessarily the movie. It's a lot of it is the performances that are great and wonderful. And that's what makes them. Like in this movie, it's easy to kind of forget with the plot and the, but it's not, it's hard to forget the performances, especially from Bale. So, you know, that's the big thing. And so it's it's hard. It's hard because, you know, there also will be those times that before you know who the person is and you they might have made something you loved. And, you know, how do you separate that? We've talked about that a lot. Like, you know, like with Buffy, we talked about it a lot with Joss Whedon and how, you know, and of course, a lot of Harry Potter fans struggle with that a lot with J.K. Rowling. And can you still love the art when the artist is so horrible when the person who created that art that you love or is a part of that art you love or stars in that art you love or is plays a character that you love and yet that person is horrible and a disgusting person you know it's a, it's a very difficult thing and i think you know i mean it happened recently with west side story and um you know the main guy in that and can't remember his name he doesn't even need to be known but i mean he's horrible and awful and he is a predator and so, and he also is not a good actor. So <laughs> there's that too. Seriously, he has no charisma. So, I mean, but so you have that question too of like, I, I wasn't a fan of the movie, but, and I'm not a fan of that story at all. Cause it's, you know, like Romeo and Juliet and I hate that story, but yeah, so it's a hard thing. And I, and I know that I'm very, I completely know that I'm a big hypocrite because of the fact that I do love a lot of his movies and and uh, and because, you know, Silver Linings Playbook is a very, very important movie to me personally. So it's very hard because it's hard to be like, I can't love this movie anymore. It's, I don't know. But, but a lot of that is because of that portrayal means so much to me to see myself through someone. Bradley Cooper still should have won that Academy Award, but that's, and he still should have been nominated for, you know, A Star is Born, but that's a totally different thing. <laughs> That's a whole different episode. I mean, for director, not because he was nominated for actor. But <laughs> totally different. 
thing. So, yeah. And, and that movie that's filming right now that you are in Christian and that you are in Bradley and that you are in like basically every single person in Hollywood is in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, every single person is in this movie, you know, and from what I've heard from people, you're not a bad person, Christian. You're not a bad person. Just like he happens to associate with, but you sh- but terrible people. Not be doing movies. Yeah, maybe maybe you know, <laughs> think about that for yes. a couple of decades. Yes, and um, you know, I know Mark Wahlberg was actually very hesitant to have David or Russell direct this movie. By the way, <laughs> so you know, um, and I want to say <laughs> this has nothing to do with necessarily David or Russell, this has to do with more sexism. There were two women who wanted to direct this movie. (laughs) Catherine Hardwick and Lexi Alexander wanted to direct this movie. And they were refused a meeting. They didn't even get a meeting with the producers, including you, Mark Wahlberg, because they did not want a woman to direct this movie. Which Which is ridiculous. Give me a fucking break lexi alexander (laughs) has trained stunt people she's been a stunt person she she has like uh, i I don't know what degree she is and what martial art but she is a martial artist of like high caliber she's also an awesome director who directed the best punisher film so you're telling me that a woman can't direct the film about boxing come on yeah and i mean and i mean this would not be an excuse for it at all but this movie came out after a woman, Catherine Bigelow, won Best Director for directing a war movie. <laughs> so it's not- but you know what? It's like, it's like so often happens with with Hollywood. It's like, well, we give one of you minorities a spin yeah. at the wheel, yeah. and we patted you on the back for it. So now it's time for the boys to slide back to the front. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just wanted to make sure to share that because when I read that, I was furious. <laughs> Because I, I, they both could have easily directed that this movie. I mean, there's no way they couldn't have. And especially with both of their pedigrees. I, I just, I mean, uh, anyway. It's bananas. Yeah. I mean, it, do, it sadly doesn't shock me, but it's still very sad. Because, and like we said, this, if they were going, if they were saying that because there's boxing in this movie, like we said, there's not really much boxing in this movie. So you can't use that as your excuse. Um, you know, it's Catherine idiot. Hardwick directed a movie very early on in her career that had a lot to do with drugs and drug abuse. And she also directed a, a movie about skateboarding that also had a lot to do with drug abuse and other kind of things. And that was mainly a primarily a male cast. So, uh, miss me. I mean, that's just bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> so that so pissed me off when I read that they wouldn't even meet yeah. with them. That's the other thing is that they wouldn't even meet with them. You can't even meet with them for the, two. The fragile male ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to end on a completely negative note. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. So there's me. There's a lot of music, and I think the music in here is amazing and awesome, and I love the music in here. I just want to say that. So that's why I put this on here. I want to know what your favorite needle drop is in this movie, Carla. Okay, well, for me, it has to be Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. It's just, it's a classic song, and it's, like, in the right moment. And I just love everything about it. And um, Dickie is training Mickey, and it comes on right as they're, like, about to go out there. And I think it's, it's, 
I mean, it's it's a great pump you up kind of song. I also think it's kind of funny that it's here I go again on my own, going down the only road I've ever known. It's like a really kind of sad lyric when you're like trying to pump up a crowd. It's like no wonder the crowd was was rooting against you. It had nothing to do with the fact that they liked the other boxer better. This is this this song is kind of a bummer. You know, like can you have picked something else? You know, something that that's like, hey, I have my whole family and we're going out boxing. We're gonna punch people in the face. Gonna go punchy punchy ow till they fall down. No, it's here I go again on my own, going down the only road I've ever known. How sad! I want to cry for you. <laughs> Ouch! Wow! <laughs> punchy punchy out of my heart. <laughs> so so Aaron I as usual cannot pick one thing so I think that one was excellent I really like that scene where with the the song where the brothers are in the hallway and the silhouette of them like head to head and singing it together is really touching. It's really just, it's perfect. Just the culmination of everything that they've been through together and the irony, irony that that song says on my own and they're standing there together. Um, but it's really, uh, yeah, that's a great song and a great scene. Um, I do think that back in the saddle is also an excellent, um, choice for that, like montage of the fighting again, but the slow motion punching gross. I think that's a really, that's a perfect song for that as well. I just have to drop, um, point out the irony and the meta-ness of, um the the dropkick murphy song i was like if she doesn't mention dropkick murphy you know i know who Aaron is anymore <laughs> right you know it's funny because um this is this here's here's our tangent when i was researching just looking up articles about rent and a lot of the recent articles are saying that it's such a terrible it's so dated and it's so awful and you can't watch it anymore because it's just so dated because of all the grunge punk music in it i'm like but that's my thing <laughs> like no wonder I love it so much. And this is just exactly the same thing, the Dropkick Murphys. And the, the fact that that song was written about Mickey and it's in the movie in a scene that happened before that song was written is amazing. And the fact that the that whole album cover is Mickey. It's an excellent album if no one's listened to it. Huge fan of Dropkick Murphys and that song. So I was really happy that it was in the movie, even if it was just for like a little tiny second. Because I just love that song. I know. I was like, if she does not mention that, because when you started mentioning everything but that, I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to know who Aaron is anymore. <laughs> right? Any chance. I was like, there is no way she's not going to mention that. <laughs> yep. Well, I I was going to say, here I go again on my own. <laughs> I mean, it's an iconic, iconic scene. I mean, there's just... I mean, you know, I do think the use of how you like me now throughout the movie is really good, too. And I like it in the beginning, too. I think it's it perfect. The needle drop is perfect. Um, and the way the camera, you know, but Dolly's back and everything. I think that is per. I love that as well. So, yeah, I can't say much more because everybody took took mine, which I knew would happen. Well, okay. okay. 
how about Good Times, Bad Times by Led Zeppelin when Dickie's running around yeah. town trying to to wrestle up yes. $2,000 for his brother? That is good. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's like the perfect song for that moment. I don't know why, but it's just like, <laughs> kudos. It is, yeah. And it's amazing that they got a Led Zeppelin song because Led Zeppelin is notorious yeah. for not letting their music be used in things. Yeah, they maybe they're have- really into boxing. <laughs> That could be it. Definitely, that's really into it. I love boxing. I love the punchy, punchy. (laughs) Ow. (laughs) Oh, but okay. I started a joke. I'm just really excited that they that they had like a Bee Gees moment because it's 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 a beautiful song. And yes, he sings it to to manipulate his mom, but then they start singing it together. And Christian Bale, like, if you forgot that he has a lovely voice. There's your reminder, Christian Bale. If, you know, like I know deep down in your heart, you want to do a musical. Don't lie to us. Well, you know, he was originally going to for a while there. He was going to do a Star Is Born. He was going to be a Star Is Born at one point. Oh my god! Can you imagine that? Wow, <laughs> that would have been the most intense a Star Is Born ever. Oh my god! I think I I don't know if I'd be able to handle it. <laughs> I would love to see that. Jeez. Like him as a, as a country style crooner. <laughs> like I'm just thinking of like the Bradley Cooper version. Just like, yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. We're going to prep with that involved. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I mean, I love, I, I wouldn't want anyone else to be in that though. Cause I love Bradley Cooper in that movie so dang much. You know, you're all very lucky. I did not have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're all very lucky. <laughs> Would have been like 13 episodes just in that movie. Yeah, I'd be like, we're doing another special episode on the stars board. <laughs> if you really want to hear Christian Bale singing, go watch the clip of him singing the Power Puff Girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you heard that? I love I that. I love that. I was watching the full clip of that because he's actually there with Mark Wahlberg. And I guess on that show, I can't remember his name now. He's a film reviewer and stuff. And he likes to end with people singing. And so oh. he said that. And Christian Bale's like, I'm not singing. I have said I'm never singing again. And then Mark Wahlberg is like, I don't know. I, and then and then Christian Bale's like, the only thing going through my head. And then that's when he sings the power <laughs> thing. I just, oh, it's so funny. And he's, and the, and then what you don't see in the clip that, the TikTok thing that I shared is that then the guy who's interviewing says, Oh yeah, no, I know that. Although I don't believe if he necessarily did. <laughs> and then Mark Wahlberg's looking at him like, what? And he's like, come on, you have to have heard this. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I have a daughter. This is all I hear right. ever. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, um, Mark Wahlberg, I'm sure you have kids. He does. That's sure. how they know each other. So it's like <laughs> don't lie. Yeah, Christian Bale's like, I'm always walking around singing that song. <laughs> <laughs> so go go listen to that. And Christian, go do a rock movie where you're a rock star. I want to <gasps> see you be a rock star. I know you did Velvet Goldmine. me. <laughs> I know. It'd be so awesome. I know you did Velvet Goldmine, but you were the reporter. You were not one of the rock stars in there. So go be a rock star. I know you don't want... Doesn't have to be a musical musical. You can just be a rock star. <laughs> He'll play Bon Jovi in the movie about Bon Jovi. <laughs> I just totally blew her mind. 
Carla is speechless. We have, I have broken Carla. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go ahead and close out if Carla's able to speak. I don't know. About I mean, I guess. <laughs> so Carla, where can they find you and your lovely podcast, which I'm drinking out of their mug. Thank you, Aaron, for the product placement. You can get that at a Redbubble store. And my, the podcast is called Bed, Butter, Behead Podcast. The podcast where two best friends drink and decide whether to FMK three characters. The podcast can be found on any platform. Our Twitter is at bedwetbeheadpod. Our Instagram is at bed.wet.behead.pod. You can find us on the metaverse. Just look for Bed, Whatever, Behead Podcast. And you can find me and my art on Twitter and Instagram at Carla Temis and my website, carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S. And you just recently had a blog oh yeah duh. thank you yes i just had an <laughs> article published on um insider um in their parenting section if you are a fellow parent um who is who has a child at home while you're trying to work from home and everything kind of feels like you kind of want to like cry and also like be super happy because your child is home but also it's like really terrible for you go read it <laughs> and we're putting out there again the bon jovi movie starring christian bale <laughs> soon so aaron, <laughs> so aaron where can they find you i'm yeah i'll be fast because i'm just on instagram and twitter uh, at geek and so that's what i do at geek and i so things awesome so this is aaron you can follow me on twitter at e april beauty the e and the a and the b are capitalized be sure to like the show on facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on twitter at fandom thing pod no it's in that one on Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fan. <laughs> How did you know that it has always been my passion to portray rocker next door, John Bon Jovi, in film? This yeah. is a wig that I had commissioned years ago when I first realized that this is my life's true mission. And this is all certified real hair from a human. These luscious golden locks have accompanied me from project to project as I attempt to set it to producer and director and executive. And they all have turned me down. But now, perhaps with your Hollywood power, you can turn this around for me and I can finally be John Bon Jovi. Wow, you're gonna that's that's amazing, Christian. I just had this feeling. I'm like, Christian wants to be John Bon Jovi. I just this know is it. all I've ever wanted. <laughs> so what's your favorite song? Oh, can one have one favorite song, Eden? No. I am partial to, of course, the classic Dead or Alive. I also love all of his work on the Young Guns soundtrack, especially <laughs> Santa Fe. Have you heard it? Have you heard Santa Fe? It yes. is moving. Yes. It is a moving song. Yes. Now, Erin, in addition to wanting to be John Bon Jovi, I think I would also be a compelling choice for Richie Sambora. For you see, I am already a natural brunette. Yes. You could play so, all, of, all of the band. 
I could be the entire band. I'm Whoa. sure that I can get myself a curly blonde wig to play David Bryan, and I can just cut my hair or wear a wig to play Tico Torres, but primarily I want to be John Bon Jovi. That is one where I shall not sway. I can be all of the other band members, but primarily I want to be John. Oh my God, Christian. Um I must go now. This wig is very delicate. Okay. And it must not be exposed to the Florida humidity for too long. <laughs> Ta-ta! Ta-ta! Wow, I'm glad we tapped into his dream. <laughs> See, we're just the best for you, Christian. You really uh, called it. <laughs> I can't believe I knew that that was his dream. Okay, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, Christian, you can still reach out to us. I know we see you all the time, but you can still reach out to us. <laughs> it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. On our next Christian Bale episodes, we're wrapping up Christian Bale month, which seems so weird to me. I feel like we just started Christian Bale month. I'm kind of sad to be wrapping it up. I'll be quite honest. I've had a lot of fun watching and you're, studying you're sad because you'll have fewer appearances of his yes that's the real reason i'm sad that's part of it i just you know <laughs> be, you know doing all this christian bale research and watching videos of him and he is such an interesting person and so i just so it's been just so fascinating doing this and i can't wait till i get to interview him because it's gonna happen i mean i will be intimidated the whole time i'm sure but it will happen <laughs> Um, but we're going to wrap up with Equilibrium and The Prestige. Um, the Prestige will be a live one. So that'll be next weekend, probably Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So the time that we usually do them. So we're going to, that's a full, full panel. I am allowing one extra person on there because it's Christian Bale month. So I made an exception for that one. And like I said, it both of these, he looks healthy. So it's very nice to watch a healthy looking Christian Bale. <laughs> Which I'm sure he'll look healthy when he does the John Bon Jovi movie. <laughs> so, um, I so, look forward to that. Yes. <laughs> so until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.